0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Craig Schaup here with Bob Garber, our New York City film critic. Bob, how are you doing? It's been a week, uh, so it's it seems like it's been forever since we've seen you. But finally, we've got you back talking movies again. How are you? I'm doing great.
1: Happy Monday and greetings from Hershey, PA.
0: All right. All right. So, Bob, uh, Bob, off this week? Are you off this week or are you just visiting? Yeah, I'm on vacation. All right, fantastic. Well, now that means that you've seen some movies and have a chance to kick back, relax, and talk. So let's talk with uh, Bob here about the first one, Halloween Kills. Now, Bob, I have to say, never really got into the Halloween franchise. I've seen a couple here and there over the years. I've lost track of how many Halloween movies there are. Um, I know they've sort of rebooted this franchise here. Jamie Lee Curtis has you know, been a carryover, of course. But uh, tell us a little bit about this latest uh sequel here into the uh, Halloween uh, mythology, if you will.
1: Okay, well, uh, the film picks up uh, right where 2018's Halloween left off. It's the very same night, uh, yeah. much like uh, Halloween two back in, I think it was the 80s, uh, directly followed 1978's Halloween. Um, now, right off the bat, that's kind of a problem because it requires you to remember details from the 2018 Halloween that I don't think people uh, are going to remember. Sure. Um, in a two year delay. I, I'm sure that this movie was pushed back because of COVID a two year delay would have been a lot more uh, conducive to that sort of thing than, than a three year delay.
0: Right.
1: Um, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, and her daughter and her granddaughter are uh, taken to the hospital while uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's house burns with Michael in it. Uh, but Michael survives the fire, of course, and um, he attacks first responders, and then he uh, makes a beeline to his childhood home. Um, and uh, presumably along the way, he's going to try to stop by the hospital and uh, and have a uh, showdown with, uh, with Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Uh, there are actually a lot of returns uh, from 1978's Halloween in this okay. film. Um, most notably, uh, Anthony Michael Hall plays a grown-up version of Tommy Doyle, the boy that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting in the original film. Sure, and um, it actually affects my enjoyment of of the original film because if I had known Tommy Doyle was going to grow up to be this, I, I would have rooted. I would have rooted for him a lot less to to make it through that uh, that first movie.
0: All right. Um, Well, obviously, you know, this has been a a franchise that's made a lot of money. It's uh, provided a lot of scares to people. It's always... uh, I
1: think it's the scariest slasher movie ever made.
0: Right. And a lot of people have gravitated towards it. Of course, now we're in in October. So Halloween's on the horizon. Um, You know, clearly it's still a profitable, you know, venture R-rated movie making $50 million over the weekend here at the box office. But is it worth your time? Is it worth someone's time out there to spend their money on seeing Halloween Kills?
1: No, no, it's not. This is for my money. This is probably the worst Halloween entry uh, uh, across all the timelines. Okay. Um, Even even some of the really crummy Thorn cult sequels are are better than or are scarier than this movie. Michael has never been this just this lame um you know my, the problem starts with the mask the iconic white mask uh i, I think it got burned in the fire because right. it's it's the mask needs to be pure white to you know sort of be a contrast to all the all the dark deeds that michael is doing and here it's just this this grimy color that isn't right. intimidating at all
0: Well, I mean, that's that's a good point, you know, and and obviously it's an iconic part of that series. And yeah, you're right. I think it uh, it probably diminishes sort of the the shock value, maybe, too. Um, Obviously, it's probably going to be nice to see Jamie Lee Curtis back at it again here in another Halloween movie. But what was your uh, your final grade? Was this you know, was there anything good about this? I mean, any of the, the kills interesting or was it just all a bomb?
1: Some, some of the kills are are interesting and like maybe one out of 10 jokes lands this movie goes for a lot of jokes um and mm-hmm. it's it's not a it's not a smooth mix of of horror and comedy the way uh, maybe the original scream was uh, it's just it's right. just a horror movie but it's like it's like goofy like there's so much you can't take seriously about it in the, in the wrong way
0: right uh, did you have a, um, a final grade the grade,
1: grade the grade c minus was- i think it's generous
0: okay All right. Well, uh, obviously, uh, still a lot of box office for it, despite the, you know, maybe the not so uh, warm response from people. Um, But one movie that did get a very good warm response and had a great weekend last weekend and eh, sort of an okay weekend this weekend and a second weekend is No Time to Die. This is the swan song for Daniel Craig as James Bond. Bob, tell us a little bit about No Time to Die and uh, what your thoughts are on this movie.
1: Okay, well, uh, No Time to Die seems James Bond at his most emotional as he um, he loses his wife uh, and uh, goes into retirement. But, of course, he's dragged out by Felix Leiter, uh, by his CIA buddy Felix Leiter, for one last mission. Um, and that goes sideways. And then he has to rejoin MI6 to to make good on the mission. Um, And along the way, he uh, goes through a lot of personal tribulation. Yeah, he goes through as many personal tribulations as as he does, um, you know, mission tribulations. Right. You
0: still there? You know, a, Hello? yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I think you're, we're kind of breaking up a little bit here, Bob. Uh, yeah, I think, can... it's, I think
1: it's the connection in my parents' house. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, obviously, James Bond movies are synonymous with the, their villains. Rami Malek takes on that, uh, that role this time around. Uh, what was Malek's uh, performance like?
1: uh didn't didn't care for malik um he's you know yet another one of these villains who thinks i can save humanity by killing a great deal of humanity um right. very much very much like um like thanos
0: yeah
1: um i i actually think that the whole thing plays more like an mcu movie than a um than a james bond movie
0: okay um,
1: especially uh compared to especially avengers endgame um where, um, yeah, where it's this a like villain, and uh, and the ending is uh, is quite a bit like like uh, Avengers Endgame as well with uh, James Bond in place of Tony Stark.
0: Right. Well, obviously, there's a lot of uh, returning cast, uh, you know, with with joining Craig here for his last movie. Ray Fiennes, uh, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, as you mentioned, Felix Leiter. uh, Christoph Waltz comes back as well. I think this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is this the third time we've seen Christoph Waltz or just the second time we've seen Waltz? Second. Second, okay. Um, Which, you know, if you're ever going to have a Bond villain in two movies, why not Christoph Waltz? As as, uh, Any villain would be fun. Um, there are some newcomers though, obviously uh, Lashana Lynch kind of plays the new 007, uh, Yes. As well. Tell us a little bit about Lashana Lynch's character and her maybe uh, squeezing into this, uh, this timeline of James Bond here.
1: Well, I, I very much look forward to, um, I mean, she doesn't do a heck of a lot here, but she, they certainly set her up for, uh, for more adventures in the future. And yeah, um, you suggested that we talk at length about who could be the next James Bond, sure. but I don't think there's, there's much of a discussion necessary because I think they're setting up Lashana Lynch.
0: Okay. Do you think that's uh, sort of not a guarantee, but close to a guarantee at this point, do you think they're going to move forward with her?
1: I think it's close to a guarantee. I think there's no reason to, um, you know, mess with the returning characters like, like Ray Fiennes and Naomi Harris and Ben Whishaw is Q um, okay. and just, and just put Lashana Lynch uh, at the head in the future.
0: Do you think if that was the case, they would have given her a little bit more screen time to kind of really set that stage? Or do you feel like, you know, maybe at the time they just said, this is how long this character needs to be in this film. And if we move forward with her, we'll at least have had her, you know, set up a little bit. Or do you think she should have got a little bit more screen time if they were going to go in that direction? Yeah.
1: I wish they would have given her a little more screen time, but what well, we get, we, we we get plenty.
0: Okay. Well this is uh you know one of the longest if i think it is the longest James Bond movie a little over two hours and forty three minutes um did it feel long did it, you, did feel, it you, really feel the
1: you really feel the length once you get to uh Malik's hideout at the end
0: okay um overall I mean obviously James Bond movies are tied to their villains to the action um just overall as a total package obviously I think we can assume the performances are fine but did everything kind of deliver as this uh, swan song for Daniel Craig was the action was, you know, did everything kind of come together with this film for him?
1: I mean, not really. Um, yeah. you know, you, you, feel its length, the action's not great. It doesn't seem, you know, it, it doesn't seem quite like a James Bunby. I will say, um, you briefly mentioned this, and I forgot to touch on it. But uh, Anna De Armas is at least very good in this movie. The Daniel Craig Anna De Armas reunion from *Knives Out* that I was really looking forward to. That that scene is good. It's too short, but quality-wise, it's very good.
0: Right. Well, this is kind of an interesting movie. You know, they've they've yeah. gone with um, you know Sam Mendes here uh, in the director's chair for a few movies, and you know he had a lot of success. I think with *Skyfall*. They decided to switch it up here. Uh, you know, Carrie Fukunaga, uh, many people would know from True Detective and HBO series. What Do you think that this was more of a failure on the, the behind-the-scenes type with the writing and the directing as opposed to what was on screen? I mean, obviously, everybody's doing what they can with the material that they have, but do you feel like maybe the change in director might have uh, impacted this film a little bit?
1: I think... Um... I think the script is is where we're let down the most. Okay. okay.
0: Uh, do you have a final grade for No
1: Time to Die? Um, I had to give it a C. I, I, I respect that they a lot of people work really hard on it, but I just can't recommend it overall.
0: Okay. Well, unfortunately, maybe not the best way for uh, Daniel Craig to go out, but uh, maybe there's the uh, the reboot here in the future, and it's possible with Lashana Lynch. Do you have anybody, if they decided to go against that direction do you have anybody that you'd like to see play james bond or a character of 007
1: i know a lot of people are are high on idris elba and uh sure go with him
0: okay yeah definitely all right bob well unfortunately no time to die uh kind of dies at the stake there so let's go to our next film now we're going to go into a little bit more of the independent cinema this time around so let's talk about mass tell us a little bit about this film
1: Okay. Well, Mass is uh, basically just a very long conversation uh, between two sets of parents, uh, one of whom are the parents of a uh, teenager who died in a school shooting, and the other are the parents of the shooter. Okay. And um, there are some hard feelings there as far as how the parents of the shooter uh, raised their son.
0: So, you know, this is an interesting premise, and it, and it may, may be more of an interesting premise the wrong way. Like, you know, this kind of a setup seems, you know, maybe a little bit um, too unrealistic. But, it, you know, how does this movie play out? I mean, if it's a talking movie for almost two hours, does it really work? I mean, is this does this premise make any sense? Does it work for you?
1: It, it works. Uh, the characters are... Um... You know, they they are certainly the actors are certainly believable in the roles, and it's four great performances.
0: Right. Okay. Um, you know, so obviously, not a lot of movement, not a lot of things going on. It's—is it—is it really confined to the one room? I mean, are we literally in this? Pretty one much, room? Pretty
1: much. Yeah. yeah. There's like a few establishing shots, but after that, um, yeah, after that, it's—it's it's pretty much just uh, just the one conversation.
0: Okay. So does that does that? get tiring at all i mean did you were you hoping for something different or i mean were the performances that great where you just
1: it can be it can be be frustrating because you know a lot of the answers died died with the sun sure Um,
0: well obviously you know you 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 talked about the performances this is obviously one of those types of movies where it's going to be based on the performances uh what did you overall what was your overall grade for mass
1: uh B minus. I, I, you know, do recommend it. Uh, even though the the subject matter is very heavy, um, you know, I don't think all all that needed to be said was said. And I think that the way things are kind of, the, I think that the catalyst for things being somewhat resolved is um, rather basic.
0: Right. But, okay.
1: but, but, otherwise, I mean, it's a it's a very intense
0: movie. Okay. Well. Uh, definitely all right, so uh hope, i'm glad we I'm glad you got to see something you like this time around bob uh so now our our last movie is uh sort of comes with a lot of cachet i mean this is a titan it won a palm d'Or at the cannes film festival uh which is the highest honor at that film festival um a lot of buzz generated from this film. Tell us a little bit about titan
1: um I don't know how much of this I ca- um, It's appropriate to say on a um,
0: right
1: on a on this podcast, but um, the main character is a uh, young woman who, um, after suffering a car accident as a child, um, becomes physically attracted to cars, and uh, she does uh, enter into a physical relationship with a car and becomes pregnant. Um, She um, has committed a a series of murders um, after panicking and um, she decides that the best way to hide from authorities is to pretend to be the kidnapped son of a fireman uh, from several decades ago. And, uh, and, and now as an adult, she's trying to reconnect with this boy's father.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I mean, obviously sometimes on the festival circuit, you know, audiences and critics enjoy some sometimes things that uh, they don't normally see and obviously as you describe the plot of this film we don't generally see a lot of films where uh, you know uh, someone falls into a physical relationship with a vehicle. Um, does this make sense? I mean when you're as you're no. describing it I'm thinking to myself this is the Palme d'Or winner. I mean this is a, a movie that got onto the festival circuit and people loved and um, it, it's one of those movies that could go on to, you know, bigger and better things. Who knows? Maybe not the Oscars, but um, why do you think people like this? And, and what did you think of this overall?
1: Um, maybe because it's so unusual. Um, there aren't, uh, like you said, there aren't a lot of movies um, with people physically attracted to cars uh, and definitely not ones that, that result in pregnancies. <laughs> So uh it's been marketed as a uh, as a body horror movie which uh, which I can see. Yep. Um but uh apparently it's uh, uh all the body horror is symbolic for insecurity which um I mean uh, it, it it went right over my head if if that uh if that's what it is, but it's just it's just so much about this movie is just shocking for the sake of being shocking.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? well ultimately um what did you think what's your final grade for uh for this movie and also before you do that um does she have the baby and what what is right. it <laughs> if you could, if you don't mind spoiling i guess that part
1: um basically it's a regular baby with a metallic spine
0: okay okay um so that 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 solves that mystery so uh what's the mystery what's the score here bob for you
1: uh gave it a give it a d didn't uh didn't do it for me. Okay. Uh, all the weirdness.
0: Yeah, a little, little, little. Sounds a little strange, uh, even for the the biggest movie fans out there. But uh, well, it, it definitely uh, breaks new ground, I suppose. Um, well, Bob, uh, what do you have coming up next week? What's on the slate for next week?
1: A movie that I'm sure you're looking forward to, Dune.
0: Yes, very Dune much so. It's directed by um,
1: your guy, Denny. Villeneuve. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's directed Very by- excited about that. All right, yes. Bob. Well, I can't wait to discuss that. Uh, we definitely appreciate you stopping by as always. And hopefully you get to see some good movies this week, my man.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: All right, Bob. We will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the
1: highlight of my week. Thank you very much. Good, good.
0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley.